It's Acts chapter number 26, beginning with verse number 24. Acts chapter 26, beginning with verse number 24. The Bible says, and as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things, king being Agrippa, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? Poses a question and then answers the same question. I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and all together such as I am, except these bonds. We're on a journey this morning, folks. We're on a journey from almost to altogether. That's God's desire for each and every person that has filled this place today is not to stop at almost but make it to all together. Would you lift your hands today and ask the Lord to saturate this place. Father, for every person under the sound of my voice, I pray, God, that there would be an openness in our hearts. Lord, I I would to God that nobody would leave here the same way that they came, but that they would recognize their need for salvation, their need to be whole in the presence of God. Lord, I bind every spirit that was sent from hell this morning to oppose the work of the Holy Ghost. I take dominion over every foul spirit. I take dominion over every unclean spirit. I pray, Lord, for liberty to fill this place and have your way and do a complete work. And we clapped our hands under the Lord this morning. Lord bless you, you may be seated this morning. The journey from almost to all together. No doubt we're living in a very religious world. I spoke about it several weeks ago and gave you a breakdown of all of the different religions and denominations in the world today. Religion is everywhere. It seems to me though, this is my opinion, And I know this will not speak for everybody, but this will speak uh, for a large part of people. But that religion has replaced the relationship factor that God had intended from the beginning of time. People go to a religious service, but fail to connect with the one whom they're worshiping. They appease their conscience by being under a steeple. 
but their soul is never changed by the Lord. I know people, even back when I grew up, they would live however they wanted to live, but they was going to be at a certain service a certain day of the week. They would go there, they would do their, their ritualism, their tradition, and then they would leave and they would continue. There was no change. There, there was no relationship. It was a religious obligation to appease their conscience, but they were never changed by the presence of God. The conscience is satisfied because of religious rituals, yet the soul remains stagnant, longing for the affection from its maker. Being in church does not make us saved. Coming to a religious service of any denomination does not make you saved no more than standing in a parking spot makes you a car. Being there does not have any eternal weight. But I'm afraid there are people that think it does. That if I could just go to a service, if I can make one service a week, or maybe I'll be make two or three services a week, being there does not do anything. It's what happens when we are here that has eternal value. Religion should never supersede relationship. Now it can enhance. We have nice music to, to usher us into the throne room. We have, we have preaching for the salvation of our soul. But religion in and of itself should never supersede relationship. It can enhance it, but it should never replace it. There should always be that longing in our soul to go deeper in God, to have a greater relationship with God, to step into a realm of truth and revelation like never before. I, I got a call yesterday from a guy. We met at an IHOP when I was preaching in Conroe, Texas. This guy had his Bible out. I mean, he had everything laid out before him, and he was studying the Word of God. And he overheard us talking. I was with the pastor and his family that night. He overheard us talking. And, and, and he got to talking to us, and we invited him to church. And we left that. He never showed up to church. We left. I gave him a card, and the pastor's wife gave a card. And I got a call yesterday, or maybe it was the day before. Maybe it was Friday. He said, this is so-and-so. And, and I, I didn't remember who it was. He said, from IHOP. In Conroe, and I said, "Okay, I remember." He said, "I got a question for you." He said, "I've been fasting. I've been praying. I've read Acts twice. I've read Romans twice." And and he he went on this whole big spiel about the power of God when we receive Christ into our heart. And I let him talk, let him talk, let him talk. Finally, he asked my opinion on something. I said, "Sir," I said, "I'm going to be very honest with you." I said. You're a very hungry person. It's evident by your eagerness and your, and your steadfastness in searching the scriptures. I said, but I'm going to tell you something. If you, if you don't hear, remember anything I say, remember this. God will always show himself to somebody who's hungry. I said, but you have to be willing to accept truth as truth, even if it contradicts your preconceived idea as truth. The problem is not that God would not reveal what needs to be done for eternal salvation. The problem is some people don't want to accept it because it contradicts what they were always taught as truth. But friend, there's only one truth. 
Regardless of how many preconceived notions of truth there is, truth is truth, and it stands the test of time. And so we ought to be open to whatever God wants for us if it brings us further to him, or closer to him, rather. We can become so religious, yet so lost at the same time. I, that, I believe it's going to shock us with who makes it to heaven. And it's also going to shock us with who didn't make it. Because there's going to be a lot of religious people that aren't walking on streets of gold. And I'm not judging. I'm just saying that's going to happen. Even the Bible says there's going to be people that said, well, well, we did this in your name and we did this in your name. And he's going to say, depart from me. So if that's going to happen, how much more people who didn't do anything in his name yet was always at church? It's going to happen. It's going to shock us. Our main goal this morning is not to to excel in a religious setting. But our main goal this morning is to make it to heaven. My main goal is when I walk out of those doors, if God was to call my number, would my soul be right with God? See, some people have all intentions of praying through at the 11th hour, not knowing that their number is going to be called at 1030. All intentions of getting their life right with God, not knowing that tomorrow was their last opportunity. The religious world has so overwhelmed relationship and overtaken relationship. The lines are now blurred and the the water is muddy now, just like it was when Jesus stepped onto the scene. When Jesus entered the picture and started his ministry, the religious world was turned upside down. Righteousness had become so distorted by the hierarchy of religion. Money changers, Pharisees, hypocrites, Sadducees. Everybody thought they were saved. Everybody thought they were doing it right. Yet Jesus was trying to bring clarity to the picture. The Bible said that Thomas was approached, or the Lord was approached by Thomas and said, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? How can we know the way? How can we know the way? Everybody's still asking today, how can we know the way? And Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. He was walking in the midst of people who were almost saved, and he was showing them how to get from almost to all together. Surrounded by people who thought they were right. Surrounded by people who did it like they were supposed to. Who, who grew up in religion. Who, who knew how to do everything the right way. Yet Jesus stepped on the scene and said, you don't even know. Everybody here is lost. I'm afraid that sometimes that would happen in some of the churches I went to. I'm not saying it would happen here, but what if Jesus walked in? Would he approach us like he approached them? Would he step into the midst of our religious circle and look at us the same way that he looked at the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the hypocrites? A bunch of people who were almost, almost. He, he wasn't interested in their position. He didn't care what they looked like. He didn't care about their haughty prayers. He wanted people to know this is what you have to do to make it to heaven. 
He knew time was limited. Therefore, everything he did was calculated. He was facing a generation that grew accustomed to religion and gave no thought about time. They were devout, yet they were without. They seemed full yet they were never more empty. Outside, everything looked okay, but on the inside, they were lost. And he was trying to show them how to transition from almost to all together. Time. The time clock of society seems to be increasing at an alarming rate. The peaceful, fun-loving days of yesteryear have been replaced by the chaotic, fast-paced schedule of this present day. Days grow shorter. Birthdays arrive quicker. Children age faster and technology evolves at warp speed. What's in today will be out tomorrow. The ride seems out of control at times and we look for the switch to make it stop. But the reality is this, time stops for no man. What seemed like such a long time as a child. I remember summer used to last forever. When I was little. What seemed like such a long time as a child is actually the blink of an eye when you look back 20 or 30 years later. I was sitting yesterday holding holding Ava during that wedding, and Brother Terry was was talking to Lacey, and I leaned down, and Ava's here, and I said, Baby, you can live with Daddy all of your life. I know she understood, she was too busy playing with with that little brochure thing. But it, it seemed like tomorrow I will be handing her away. Watching that happen, that's what time does. Time is so fast and our minds are conditioned to believe that there will always be more time. But James said, what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. The reality of life is this. We're not guaranteed a tomorrow. We put so much emphasis on what we see when really we should be emphasizing what we don't see. We should be emphasizing where will we spend eternity. Our minds cannot comprehend eternity because we gauge everything by time. But if the earth were a steel ball and once a year a sparrow went down and brushed that steel ball with its wing... By the time that steel ball had eroded to nothing, that would be the first second in eternity. Eternity. That's what we should be uh, emphasizing in our lives. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not preaching against living a blessed life. I'm not not saying sell everything you have and live in poverty and love God. That's not what I'm saying. But when what's on this earth takes the place of, of a heavenly realm. When material things are regarded more than your soul, that's where we are in error. When I put more emphasis on what I wear and what I drive and where I live than I do my soul, then I am wrong. I am wrong. Because the most important thing this morning is your soul. Your soul. It's the most valuable thing ever created. Your soul. Your soul, I don't know if I said it here or not. I lose track of where I said it. But, but when Jesus was tempted by the devil, he was tempted in three areas. His appetite turned these stones into bread. He was tempted with his ability, cast yourself down. And he was tempted with affluence. If you'll bow to me, I'll give you everything. 
I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. I want you to notice with me the one thing that the devil at Satan never offered Jesus. He never offered him any of the souls that died in his grip. He never said, I'll give you Jezebel. He never said, I'll give you Cain. He never said, I'll give you the sons of Korah. He never said, I'll give you Ahab. He never offered anything because that's what hell will not relinquish because it's the most important thing. It's what we're in war over is is God wants your soul and the devil wants your soul. Your soul this morning. When it comes to salvation, friend, your soul is the most important thing. If I were to play games with anything, the one thing I would not put up to risk was my soul. My soul. Paul stood before Agrippa. In verse 26, it was preceded by Paul's testimony. He said, Agrippa, you don't understand. I, was, I, I persecuted these Christians. I came against them. I fought them. I did everything I could to stop them. But there was a day when God got a hold of my soul. There was a moment in, on the way to Damascus. I was blinded by a light and he gives his whole testimony how the Lord speaks to him and, and there he was converted. He said, whereupon, O King Agrippa, verse 19, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. And he explains the work of Jesus Christ. He gives a synopsis, if you will, of the intentions and the purpose and the work of Jesus Christ while he was on this earth. And in Acts chapter 26 and verse 24, the Bible said, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. What he was not understanding was Paul was not speaking out of intellect. Paul was not speaking through human knowledge. But Paul was speaking of something in a heavenly dimension. See, Festus wanted nothing to do. But Paul was not focused on Festus. Because Paul knew there was somebody in that same setting that was hungry. I understand this morning that there is some people who are likened to a Festus. They don't want anything to do with God. They don't want anything that they may be here out of obligation. They may be here. I've had people come here to church to hear me and afterwards want me to sign a card because they're trying to do community service. I know they're not there because they want Jesus. And I'm not reaching for Festus this morning. But I'm like, Paul, I know that there's somebody here. I I know there's an Agrippa in the building that knows what it takes to be saved. Paul said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. In verse 26 he says, and Agrippa knows I'm telling the truth. See the showdown right now. I could see Paul standing there facing Festus and Agrippa. I could see Paul's eyes penetrating the soul of Agrippa as he says, and he knows. Oh, I know what it's like to preach from a pulpit and look them in the eye, and they know I'm calling out their number. They know I'm telling them the truth. They know deep down in their soul that God is tugging at their, that's who I'm reaching for this morning is that person who knows what it takes to make it to heaven. You know, he said, I know, I know, I know that Agrippa knows I'm telling the truth. And finally, Paul spoke to him and said, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? And then he answers it, I know. 
I know you can you can act like however you want to act. You can put on your front and act like you got you got it all together. But I'm looking at you, Agrippa, and I'm telling you this morning, you know what I'm telling you is the truth. I've seen people in churches all over this country who had a facade that seemingly wouldn't break. Yet I I would watch them as the Holy Ghost moved upon them. And by the end of that service, they was in the altar and God was filling them with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because they knew what I was telling them was the truth. You can act how you want to act. You can act like you've got it all together and, and, and that life is grand. But honey, it's you who's miserable when you lay your head down on a pillow at night. You can act like your world is grand and that nothing's going to phase you. I know who I'm talking to in the Holy Ghost this morning. But when you're by yourself, it's your heart that is longing for something deeper, something grand. I know I'm telling you the truth, honey. I know God's talking to you. You've got an opportunity this morning to make it from almost altogether. How heartbreaking it must have been for Paul when the person he knew God was talking to looked at him and said, Paul, almost. Almost thou hast persuaded me to be a Christian. Paul did everything he could. He gave his own testimony. He preached about Jesus. But he understood that the responsibility of of salvation lies in the hands of each and every person. I can only do so much. He can only do so much. There is a responsibility this morning that lies in your hands. That's why Peter said, save yourselves from this untoward generation. If I could give the Holy Ghost, I'd give it to everybody I met. But the responsibility today lies in your own actions, in your own decisions. How tragic it will be for Agrippa to stand before the maker of his soul and know that he stopped at an almost when an altogether was possible. How tragic because he had opportunity He had instruction. He had someone willing to pray with him. But he settled for an almost. Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost. But don't stop at almost, Agrippa, because an altogether is possible. I repeat Paul's words. I would to God that everybody under the sound of my voice would not be satisfied with an almost, but would say I'm not leaving until I am altogether saved. Agrippa will never have an opportunity To say, I did not know. I did not have a chance. Nobody told me what I needed to do to be saved. Nobody told me the steps that were necessary. He will never, he gave up that chance when he decided to stop at almost. How tragic. In regards to our soul, It is one of the most tragic words ever used. 
almost. Because almost indicates that the goal was within reach, but not attained. One writer put it like this. If you keep rejecting the come of salvation, you'll have to accept the depart of damnation. If you keep rejecting the tug of the Spirit, if you keep rejecting the open door, there will come a day that you'll be forced to accept uh, depart from me. Almost. The reality of almost is this. Almost right is always wrong. Almost hit is always miss. Almost pass is always flunk. Almost safe is always out. Almost lived is always died. Almost did is always didn't. Almost saved is always lost. And almost heaven is always hell. Friend, you can be close in a lot of things. But when it comes to your soul this morning, I I wouldn't take a chance. I'm saying we're on a journey today. And it's God's desire for everybody in this building to go from almost to altogether, to leave full of the Holy Ghost, to leave full of the fire of God, to be baptized in Jesus' name, to walk out of here changed by his presence. Stand with me all over this building right now. Oh, God, let your presence settle amongst your people right now. Oh, there's a pull from a heavenly realm here this morning. There's a pull from a heavenly dimension here today. God is reaching for every single person under the sound of my voice. You say, preacher, I've been raised in this. That doesn't exempt you from being lost. I've been in church all of my life. That doesn't mean you won't make it to heaven. Everybody in this place has a responsibility to God this morning. More importantly to yourself to make sure that when you leave uh, that you are saved, uh, that you are covered in his blood, uh, that you are washed in the name of Jesus. Uh, It's available for everybody. I don't want to stop it almost knowing that I on this Sunday morning, had an opportunity to make it to all together. All together. All together saved. Oh, God. Sir and ma'am, the word of the Lord still says, except a man be born again of the water and of the Spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. It's impossible. It can't happen. It takes repentance. It takes burial by baptism in the name of Jesus. And it takes the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And I'll go a step further. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. But I say, let the redeemed of the Lord stay so. You need to pray through again this morning, ma'am. You need to pray through again this morning, sir. Don't trust last week's breakthrough. But I'm saying today, why don't we all get to the point where we're all together saved? I'm opening these altars for everybody in this place. I would to God that you would say, Lord, I want my heart right today. I want my spirit right today. I want to make sure that when I leave, I know I'm saved. Ma'am, you can get the Holy Ghost this morning. Sir, you can get the Holy Ghost this morning. Ma'am, you need to surrender to what God is wanting to do in your life. I would would to God that you would stop fighting against the Holy Ghost and you would allow the Lord to move in your heart like you know.